0: Um, so then I would think, well, maybe Jonah, and I thought, that's probably too stinky. I didn't feel like walking around smelling like whale vomit, some of fish stuck all over me, stomach acid, preaching the word. I didn't really think that fit either, so I just decided I wouldn't dress up. I, I tried, I tried. I'm not very creative, but call me a stick in the mud if you want to, but I guess that's How God's Made Me. So this morning we're going to finish up the book of Jonah. Um, A great book that I think sometimes we overlook. We overlook it because we think it's just a great child story. But as we've seen from the last several weeks, there's definitely a lot that can be learned out of this small book in the Old Testament. Uh, We can learn a lot about our own character, as well as God's character, from the short yet hard-hitting book. Rich started us off a couple weeks ago and he talked about Jonah being the man who ran, is what he called him, and how we need to obey God even when he tells us to do something we don't really want to do. He also shared how God's able to make a broken situation work out for your good or bring about a miracle that we never thought was possible, like he did for Jonah when God had the, the whale eat him there. Then Brad shared about how Jonah prayed from inside the fish which Brad so vividly described if you guys remember so much so I think I actually smelled the whale vomit for the rest of the day in my nostrils it was that vivid of a description i'm
1: awake, I'm awake too I
0: felt that one. he shared how important it is for us to follow through on our commitments and vows we make not only to God but to each other last week Rich shared about how God is the God of second chances he gave Jonah a second chance and to go speak to the people of Nineveh. And we learned how Jonah might have started, there we go, one of the largest revivals ever recorded because he obeyed God after he was vomited out of the whale. This week we're going to look at Jonah's attitude, even after God gave him a second chance, as well as God's character and respect to the people of Nineveh. So let's just pray to get started and then we'll just jump right in and read Jonah 4. Well, God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you've brought each and every one of us here. God, we thank you for where you have us in life. God, we just thank you that um, that we have this, this place we can meet, that we have this family of believers to come together. And so seek your word. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Jonah. God, we just really pray that you'd speak to our hearts today out of this short chapter to finish off Jonah. Help each one of us to think about what it has to say and to really, really live it out. God, not just, um, again, just think of it as a child story and that it doesn't relate to me, but God, to think about it in respect to our lives. God, and how we can grow our character, how we can understand your character even a little bit more clearly. God, we just pray that you'd speak Miley this morning. God, speak Miley out of me. I don't want it to be anything about me, just you. God, we just pray that you'd speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so grab a house Bible. If you don't have one, raise your hand. People will pass one around. There's a few. It looks like we need some in the back. If you guys have some up here in the front, extra ones, maybe you could pass them back that way. Get a couple back there. We're going to be on page 917 in the House Bible. Again, we're going to look at Jonah chapter 4, and we're going to read it here together. Anybody else need a Bible? One more back there. A couple more back there, if we can pass a couple more. (coughs) Over there. There you go. (laughs) There they come. All right. All right, again, turn to page 917. We're just going to read this chapter together. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, "Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Wow. Interesting chapter, interesting chapter to finish off these first three chapters first let's take a look at Jonah in this chapter and in the last couple chapters you remember all that had happened to Jonah first he disobeys God he's cast into the sea by the shipmates for so the ship that he's on where a great fish eats him he spends three days and three nights inside of that stinky fish and all that stinkiness that Brad described before he gets vomited out onto dry land God gives him another chance to obey him he says go to Nineveh and so he goes which Nineveh happens to be the capital of Assyria and as Rich shared last time it it was a very cruel nation Assyria was very cruel they were known for um, slaying their enemies while they were still alive which has to be painful can't be good and they made heaps of their skulls there were heaps of skulls laying around there of all their enemies that they'd killed in other words it was probably the last possible place that Jonah wanted to go but when he was given a second chance he went there and he boldly preached to them that they needed to repent and turn back to God or that God was going to destroy them Here's where the story takes an interesting turn. Instead of continuing in their sins like we probably all thought they would, they take heed from Jonah's warning and they believed God. They repent of their wrongdoing and they put sackcloth on themselves. They even put it on their animals, which is kind of interesting. When God saw the people's animal turn from their evil ways, He had compassion on them. It says that He had compassion on them and He didn't bring destruction on them. Let's put this maybe into terms that we can better understand today. Say you have a classmate or you have a coworker that is, um that's not obeying God. Maybe they're getting drunk, they're living a lewd lifestyle, they're involved with drugs, they're involved with stealing or some other sin. God puts it on your heart to share his love with that person and maybe the first time you're scared. You're just like Jonah. Instead of sharing the gospel, you walk away. You actually run away hoping maybe that you won't see them again, or maybe God will have someone else share the gospel with them, but He doesn't. He comes back to you again, and He gives you a second chance to be bold for Him and to obey Him, and this time you do. You share the gospel with a person, even though in your heart of heart, in your mind, you don't think there's any way that they're going to accept Christ. You just think there's no way this person is not going to accept Christ. But they do, and they become a believer. What would you be feeling? Would you have a bad attitude like Jonah did? But you wonder why God didn't follow through on everything that he says in the Bible for the destruction for people who sin. Sometimes I think we'd have this attitude, and it comes from our selfishness. It comes from our flesh. We wonder how they could do all those bad things, even worse things than we've done in our own minds, but God still accepts them, just like he did us. This is the bad attitude that Jonah had that we're talking about here. He didn't want to be made a fool. the people of Nineveh when he told them that they were going to be destroyed, and then they didn't get destroyed. He was so concerned about himself, he didn't stop to think for just a few minutes what God was doing. What an amazing thing that God had done for those people. Instead of killing 120,000 people, God relented, and he had compassion on them because they turned to him. They put those sins away, and they turned to him. In fact, Jonah was so concerned about himself that he said it was better to die, which I just laugh at. I think that's hilarious. When he says, he says it twice there, he says it's better for me to die than to live because what I said is going to happen isn't going to happen. Then goes on to show how God tests Jonah there towards the end of the chapter. God provides that vine. They grow it up over Jonah and it gives him shade during the heat of the day. And it says Jonah was very happy. Yet the next day, God has that worm go and chew through the vine, and the wine, vine withers, and the shade goes away. And God brings about a scorching east wind to make it just a, a terrible day for Jonah. And again, Jonah's like, I'd be rather die. I'd rather die than live because I'm sitting out here in the hot sun. What a bad attitude Jonah had. God then goes on to ask him if he has any right to be angry. And points out to Jonah that he did absolutely nothing to make that vine grow. Nothing. He didn't water it. He didn't tend it. He didn't plant it. Jonah was so concerned about himself that he didn't even see the bigger picture that God loved those people of Nineveh. And that's why God spared them and had compassion on them. What a bad attitude. He was totally distressed in his selfishness and just wanted to die. First, because God didn't wipe out the people and do what He said, and then second, for that plant dying. Now, that's taking it a little bit too far and being a little too dramatic, isn't it? Isn't that being a little too dramatic? We're probably telling ourselves right now that if we were in that same situation, we'd never do that. But I think we do. I think we do the same thing sometimes. How many of us have had this attitude, this same attitude, at one time or another? Maybe we went through something really hard. A really hard situation. Maybe it's loving a lose one, loving, losing a loved one. Or losing a job. And wondering how we're going to provide for our family or make ends meet. Or maybe it's some other thing that's happened to us. Things that we just don't understand how they can possibly turn out for good. Our attitude can be the same as Jonah's here. That can be our first reaction. We forget what our purpose here on earth is. And we just wish we were in heaven. We wish we were dead. We think that there's nothing to live for. And it would just be better to die. It would just be better to be out of this place. Have you ever felt that way? Has anybody ever felt that way? I think we all have, at one time or another, to some degree. The truth truth is, life is hard. Life here on earth is hard. Difficult and challenging situations happen all the time. Things happen to us that we wish wouldn't happen to our enemies. Even on our worst enemies, yet they happen to us anyway. We see an example of this from another stalwart of the Bible, Paul. He says this in Philippians 1, verses 20-26. through 26. He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For me, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul was a guy that had a lot of really hard trials, a lot of really hard tribulations in his lifetime. There's a list there in the New Testament where it says he was flogged. He was exposed to death again and again. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. He was in danger from many different people and many different places. Yet we clearly see his attitude there in Philippians while while he's there. He knew that being in heaven would mean that no more of those things would happen. No more of those hard, challenging situations would happen. But he also knew that God is sovereign and that God's in control of everything. And that God would use him in the lives of others while he was still on earth. There's a big difference here between Paul's attitude in those verses and Jonah's attitude. Paul only wanted to die because he knew that spending a journey with God was going to be amazing. And it was going to be so much better than the difficult life he lived on earth. But we see that he knew it wasn't his time to go. You see that clearly in those verses. He remembered God's truth and knew what God's purpose was for him. He knew that God was going to boldly use him to alter eternity for many people in the world. He knew that. He trusted God. had faith in that. God wants to do the same thing with each and every one of you guys. Each and every one of you. He wants to use you to see the lost people of this world come to know him. He wants to show compassion on the lost through you. Just like he showed compassion on the people of Nineveh through Jonah. He wants to see the lost saved and join him in a heaven for eternity. He wants you to choose right. He wants you to make the right choice. And he wants to use you as a shining light in this dark world, which is getting darker and darker and darker every day. You are his chosen instruments to reach this world. You. Each and every one of you. And when you're feeling like Jonah, and you want all this to end, you need to remember what the big picture is. You need to remember that God's in control. That God loves you, and He wants to use you to do amazing things. He wants to use you to do things that you've never comprehended, that you've never even dreamed of. He wants to use you. No matter how dire you think your situation is, as Rich shared when he was talking about Jonah 1, God's able to make a broken situation work out for your good. He can make a miracle happen. Do you trust Him? Do you believe He can? Do you believe that the hardest things in your life He can use for good? Or are you going to get angry and be like Jonah? and have a bad attitude. I read this devotional, and I I thought it hit the nail on the head. It says this, it says, Writing from a prison cell, the Apostle Paul penned the following verse, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1, verse 27. In other words, no matter what unforeseeable distractions, frustrations, and inconveniences come your way, make sure that you respond with a Christ-like attitude. Paul later writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, in Philippians 2, verse 5. He also urges us in Ephesians 5, verse 1, to be imitators of Christ, as dearly beloved children. Have you ever noticed how children love to copy everything they see and repeat everything they hear? In a similar way, we are encouraged to model Christ's behavior and be clear reflections of the Lord. Jesus always maintained a perfect attitude in every situation because he prayed about everything and he worried about nothing. Prayer was his lifeline. He sought God's guidance about every aspect of his life and allowed the Lord to work out his perfect will without interference. Christ never became defensive, discouraged, or depressed because his goal was to please the Father rather than to achieve his own agenda. In the midst of trials, he was patient. In the midst of suffering, he was hopeful. In the midst of blessing, he was humble. Even in the midst of ridicule, abuse, and hostility, he made no threats and did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is that in 1 Peter 2.23. When people see you, do they see the Lord in you? Are you reacting to your circumstances in the flesh or responding to life's challenges in the spirit? God has called us to demonstrate the love of God through our responses to everyday difficulties. You too can have a Christ-like attitude by asking God for strength and wisdom to appropriately respond to every situation so that ultimately the Lord gets the glory. I really like that devotional. It's a good devotional. I really like there at the beginning how it said Jesus maintained a perfect attitude because he prayed about everything. That was key. He prayed about everything and his goal was to please the Father rather than to serve his own agenda, rather than to follow his own agenda. If we took this attitude toward every situation, whether it was a hard one or a challenging situation or if it was a simple situation, we would all be a lot better off, I guarantee you. We wouldn't want to die like Jonah and we wouldn't get stressed out about the situation and be tempted to fret about it and to worry over it and to think, overthink every little thing. We need to have a Christ-like attitude every day. And the only way we can achieve that is if we're bathing our day in prayer and we're continually in God's Word. So that God's Word can encourage us and refresh us. And if we're in a family of believers that can, again, encourage us every day through the hard times. The other lesson I think we can learn out of Jonah 4 here is just how compassionate God is. We can see a little bit more of His character, a clearer picture of His character. We know that God cares about us as His children, but sometimes we forget that He cares a lot about the lost. He cares about the lost, and He cares about them a lot. Even those whose lives are being destroyed by sin, it breaks His heart when people choose to destroy their lives and not turn to Him for forgiveness and for help. We see that concern here in the book of Jonah. God loved the Assyrians even though they were a corrupt and evil people. Their culture was full of evil, and yet when Jonah called them to repent, they did. And it says at the end of Jonah chapter 3 that God had compassion on them. Jonah describes God at the beginning of the chapter as a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. At the end of the chapter, we see again just how compassionate he is when he's, he's talking about that um, plant and the vine with Jonah. And he says, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? God cared about those people. He cared about those people who didn't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. They were so confused. They were so caught up in sin and evil. Here's some more verses from throughout the Bible. We can just see how compassionate God is. In Exodus 33, verse 19, it says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 2 and 3, it says, And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where He scattered you. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 36, The Lord will judge His people and have compassion on His servants when He sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free. Psalm 145, 8 and 9, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. James 5.11 As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Our God is compassionate. Our God cares about you. Our God cares about the lost. He cares about this world. He cares about you. And it's evident. It's evident in those verses. It's evident in Jonah. It's evident throughout the Bible that he loves this world and he's compassionate about you, each and every one of you. God still has that same compassion for our world today. Sometimes we can rationalize and say, well, that's how it was in 2,000 years ago in the Bible when these verses were written. That's not true. He has the same compassion today, and He always will. God is, ever, is never changing. Even if you think you've done something so bad, that there's absolutely no way that God can love you, you think you've done something so bad in your past that it's not possible, God does. He still loves you. If something has happened in your life and you see yourself as broken, There's something in your life you think you're broken. God has compassion for you. He doesn't see you as broken. He sees you as His child. Remember, these people were not good people at all. The Assyrians weren't. And God had compassion on them. How much more will He have compassion on each and every one of you? So the main lesson we can learn here is to have a good attitude. We need to be unlike Jonah in our attitude. We need to have a Christ-like attitude. When God calls us to do something, we need to do it. We need to do it the first time. We need to not run from what God's calling us to do. We just need to step up and do it. And trust that God's going to be there. He's going to have your back. He's there with you. He will encourage you. He will help you through it. We need to realize that we belong to God and that all we have, He's given us. Absolutely everything we have, He's given us. We also just need to understand His compassion at a deeper level. Take it to that next level. Understand how much He loves you. Even when you sin against Him, He loves you. He cares about you. The deepest of His core, He loves you and cares about you. God's trying to share that love, that compassion with the people around you. And we get that unique opportunity of being that vessel through which He shares that love. We get to be God's love here on earth. Our smile, opening the door for people, just befriending people, walking up to them, giving them a hug. We're God's love in this world. Because there are a lot of people in this world that are wasting their lives. They're wasting their lives, they're chasing their tails for what they think is important. And we know the truth. What's important to this world leads to death. It's not good. It's not good. And we need to share God's love with those people. I have a, a short song here to pray for you guys, or to play for you guys. Um, it's, it's by the Hillsong United Band, but it's, it's called Desert. And it's just about being in that place where Job was. Down, being, being in that dry place. And, and the reaction we need to have to it, and that reaction is just to, to praise God not to have a bad attitude but to have a Christ like attitude so we'll pray it and then I'll I'll be back up to pray for it. God, we, we thank you. God, we thank you for this lesson from Jonah 4. God, help us to have that attitude. Help us to have a Christ-like attitude. Where, God, we praise you when we're in the desert. God, when things are hard, when things are challenging, when we just don't want to do them, God, we do them anyway. God, and we praise you for the chance to do them. God, help us to have that attitude. Help us to check our flesh every day. God, help us to just walk out with a smile on our face, God, and be lights for you in this dark world. God, it's a challenging world. It's a hard world. There are a lot of hard situations, even in this room. God, you've put things in our life that are unique to each one of us. God, help us. Help us to see the good in them. God, help us to look for the good. Help us to hit a head, hit a hard situation head on. And just trusting that you're going to make good come from it. Somehow or another, whether it's through a miracle or not, God, good is going to come from it. God, help us to remember that. Help us to trust you for that. God, that's, that's a promise. God, we can trust. You are going to do good. God, and and we thank You for that. God, we thank You that You have our best in mind. God, that You are our victory. Like that song said, God, You are going to give us a harvest. God, and You're going to amaze us. But God, we have to trust You. We have to, deep down in our core, believe that You're good. Believe that You're compassionate. God, believe that You love us with a love that this world doesn't know. God, help us to believe that and then help us to spread that love. God, help us not to just stop with receiving it and never pass it on. God, help us to be a body of believers here that is loving the lost, that is loving our neighbor, that is loving our friends, that is loving our families, that is loving everyone around us, lost or saved. God, help us. Help us do that. Help us be Christ-like in our attitude help us not get angry help us not have that bad attitude when you decide to do amazing things and, and, and save people God, and save lots of people God, you, you can do that God, we believe you can do that we believe you can do that in this city God, we're trusting that you will do that in this city God, we thank you again for the book of Jonah. We pray that you would bless the rest of our days. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, thank you guys for coming this morning. Again, baby dedications and baptisms next week. If you want to get baptized, please just talk to Rich, Brad, or I, or maybe someone who brought you so that we can make sure we're ready to go next week. All right, thanks, guys.